Toffee Blue, Joe Sword for all things Everton. Welcome to the first podcast of a brand new season. We're back with the classic podcast with the extra time segment after the opening day win against Southampton. I'll be looking back on that one with Connor Williams and Owen Park. We're going to be looking back on an opening day win for Rafa Benitez's new look Everton side. And we'll be getting into the transfer business, of course. Stilly season still with us for another two more weeks before the transfer deadline. And Myself and Owen and Connor will be discussing who we'd like to see leave the club and, of course, where we'd like to see our team improve before that window shuts. Then it'll just be myself and Connor for the match preview as of the classic podcast format. We'll be moving on from the Southampton win and moving on to our next game, which is against Leeds at Ellen Road this weekend. We'll be previewing that. And then Owen will be back at the end to take part in the quiz alongside Connor. It'll be Connor's quiz debut. So, be sure not to miss that. We get straight into the start of this podcast anyway. We'll start with our extra time and looking back on a very pleasing opening day for the Blues. Welcome to the extra time segment for Everton 3, Southampton 1. The opening day of the Premier League season and Everton are off to a winning start. It's exactly what we wanted. And... Um, not what everyone was expecting necessarily. I certainly haven't been too optimistic of late if you've been watching this channel, but I was very, very pleasantly surprised by what I saw, particularly in the second half. Uh, I'm joined by Owen and Connor. We'll get straight into it. We'll start with you, Connor. What did you make of that performance on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I was uh, similar to you. Uh, in the past, I've been quite um, cautious of getting excited for the season. I thought it was going to be, you know, um, I had this quite negative mindset, but it had, it um it answered a lot of questions. The first half, I think, other than Michael Keane's goal, I think we were all right. We just, you know, I think we were just okay. I don't think we got the wide players involved enough. But in the second half, uh, it was really exciting to watch uh, and really enjoyable as well. It's been a while since I've been able to watch Everton, so it was enjoyable to watch. It was direct. It was attacking. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it was, it was a really like that's probably the best I've seen us play that second half for certainly about half a season last year. I think it's been the last time I saw us knock the ball around. Well, Owen, what was your take on the performance? Well, first of all, I hope everyone's had a nice summer. I've yeah. not been on for a while, so I hope everyone's had a nice summer and enjoyed the frills and spills of everything. The viewers included. Yeah, I um, use the word nice very, uh, you know, very, very loosely. Yeah, well, I, I'm, I'm been on, but I've been very down on the club this summer because I, I just feel like in every kind of department we have downgraded, but that doesn't matter. On Saturday, I thought we played really well. It was, it was nice to see the fans back. I think it was good to be back at Goodison, just to, just to enjoy the feel of the just being back there and. The performance was very good. I thought first half we stayed in the game, especially when they scored. We made a terrible mistake. Michael Keane should have just cleared the ball up the pitch, but unfortunately, um, 
I think it was Che Adams took in, then got it through to Armstrong. And we concede the first goal, which is disappointing because you never want to concede the first goal because most of the time Everton struggled to come back from when they conceded the first goal. But wherever, wherever was said at half time, Rafa Benitez certainly got the team fired up at the second half. And we, we had to show a reaction. We, we created enough chances in the end to win the game. I think Decore was fantastic. I think uh, regular listeners will know I've been a long-term fan of Decore. And I think, again, on Saturday, he proved his work for me. I think he's, he's been an Famous. unbelievable player. I Famous. think he's been an unbelievable uh, Yeah, he's been brilliant. And he won us the game. And then Dom added the third. And then I thought after the sort of quick start of the second half and to go and win the game we we didn't do that stupid thing where we let a couple of goals in and that was it and then we dropped two points I thought our, our shape and our sort of discipline the last sort of 20 minutes was really good to see the game out not to make any silly mistakes they only had six shots in the whole game which we've limited them to really little Um Considering as well, we conceded the first goal and their tails were up after that. I think even in their best spells, they didn't really create much. And I think that was down to how sort of good we were off the ball. I thought we were really compact, especially when I can see from the Gladys Street. Even in the first half, when we were on the back foot because they were we they'd scored and what have you, I still think we kept we kept in the game really well. And then second half we came out and won the game, so I, I was really pleased with the performance, the attitudes of the players, and I think that that's been lacking or very little in the last couple of years, That the reaction, the fire to go back, get back and win a game, so I was really pleased with that and I thought it was a, it was a good experience to get back to a good match of a good performance. Yeah, it was definitely a... I think I was pleasantly surprised by you know, obviously, I think Benitez's teams are always well drilled defensively, but like I think, like we said there, there was a, a real cohesion in the attack, which we definitely didn't have last season. No, I, I think I think that comes with some natural width as well. I think I I, I bemoaned a lot last season the lack of attacking options we had because if James Rodriguez wasn't fit, we didn't really have anyone else who could impact the game. I think whilst Andros Townsend and Damari Gray are more functional players. They're not they're not hammers in terms of on the ball technically. Then they're, they're nowhere near as good as that. They're very functional. But when you need to sort of put a team under the cosh in terms to get to get a result, I think they're both really useful because Townsend's got a really nice delivery on him. And Gray's really good one v one sort of taking people on. And I think that sort of got the crowd up the mix of getting the ball in the box quickly and taking people on. I think that really helped us sort of put them on the back foot in the second half. So that sort of raw sort of ability to push a team back is something they really have. And I think natural with 4-4-2, getting in the box sort of helped us really. It matched them up, but they were playing the 4-4-2 as well. So it was, it was you don't really see that a lot, two 4-4-2s playing against one each other in the Premier League, but really enjoyed to see. It. And yeah, it was really good. I really liked the, the setup of the team. Yeah, I do like a 4-4-2. And like you say, I think that you nailed it with those two. Like you see, those two sorts of facets of our game was, you know, one and one v one dribbling and early crossing the two things that I need, I was desperate for us to see more of this season. We didn't do either of those yeah, last yeah. season. 
we didn't have the players though, James, and I think that was that was the issue. I think yeah, Alex Awobi came on and did well, but and Bernard, but they're more neat players. They, they like to get pick up the ball centrally and sort of drive and play through the lines and sort of invite people on and that and create link up with the the fullbacks. I think what you've got with Townsend and um, Gray is more directness. So they're willing to take it and run and put it in the box. I think obviously Townsend played at Crystal Palace where previously they were they were putting a lot of crosses in for Ben Teke. So the he, he kind of understands that kind of way of playing because he's played in the four four two when he was at Palace and Gray as well. I think what he signed for less than a four four two and his dream was very much the same to stay stay wide and take people on. I think I think it, it it sounds kind of basic, but it was really effective. I thought Saturday, and I really liked how quickly we moved through the pitch in terms of not sort of taking fifteen passes to go your own half when you can do it in one one um, long pass from the start from Pickford, and we've got two strikers up front who are powerful and effective when you get the ball to them. So. I look forward to getting the ball forward quickly a lot this season because, like I said, I think it's you play to your strengths and our strengths are our centre forwards, releasing them early and especially when teams like Southampton come and play a high line, throwing the ball over the top is is no bad way to play. Definitely not. And I think the more peace you get in the team, the more you can do that. Like I say, the more yeah. there, I think you need more players of that ilk. Um, in the team, more wingers, strikers as well. Maybe we need to have more pace. And you know, I think Gray at least is a start in terms of improving the overall like average sprint speed in this team. Because my God, we've got the likes of Andre Gomez and you know players who were like running. Forgot about him. Yeah. I I don't even think Andros Andros Townsend is particularly slow. I think. He's a really useful addition, Townsend. I think I, I haven't sort of been on to give me thoughts on Townsend, but that was a sign that I was really pleased with because I think he was really useful for Crystal Palace in terms of they are they have really big, strong centre forwards, and he he really he regularly sort of nicked them games by good crossing into them. I think that's one thing we lacked, especially at home last season, is when we were trying to break a team down, we weren't good enough to do so. We're and our only yeah, but our, yeah, that's what I mean. But our only crossing outlet was Dean, so we were just getting the ball to Dean and thrown in the box. Whereas I think when you've got Townsend to do as well, at least you've got two players to worry about. The more good crosses you're putting your team, especially when you've got Calvert Lewin and Richarlison who are good aerial aerially, I think you've just got to utilize your strengths, and that's why I want a right back as well, who's also good at throwing crosses in. Because I mean, when we haven't got with how time is, there really isn't that sort of technical brilliance in the team. Quality, quality service. There, there isn't, but people throw a Wobie at me, but I don't think he's, I think he's about 20 levels below Hammers personally in terms of that. But when you've got good wingers who can put the ball in the box, I think that really helps you. And I think the more, the more of them we bring in, the better, because I think, We'll score a lot of goals this season through crosses, and that's why we brought in. I don't know a right back who's good at crossing or Dwight no, McNeil. You've, you've, men- <laughs> McNeil. 
Well, you mentioned Trippier, haven't you? I think uh, on a few occasions yourself, you'd love him. Well, I I really like Trippier. I, I wouldn't. I don't know about paying big money for him or anything because of his age. And I think we we really can't afford to spend much money now without getting re- resale value for players. But if there could be a deal to be done where we could get him in, I don't know. Say if Moise Keane went the other way or something, we could get him. I, I would consider that because he's really good at everything we need. He's, he's good defensively, which is important for the manager. And he's good going forward and he's put a good ball in the box. I mean, I don't know, People want younger players, and I understand that. But I think Kieran Trippier, I think, is a really good player, and I would like to see him ever. And I wouldn't expect him to come in, and I don't think that's going to be a possibility for us. But if you bring players of his ilk in, and obviously bring Dwight McNeil in, for example, then you re- you really are improving the creativity in your team without changing too much in terms of how we play. Because I think with Trippier and McNeil, the Atletico would like to sort of test teams aerially and, and Burnley, we've got two centre-forwards like us, so they'll be doing the same. It it really is sort of, I don't know, I, f- I feel like the good fit to be bring them in. But like I said, it, it, there's a long way to go in the window and we probably have to sell a few before we can bring any in. But I think good crossing is what this team could be built on this season. And I think that's a, it's a, it's a what haven't been in the past with Baines and Pienaar and all that. Good crossing into the box and I think the more the more we add to that, I think the better we'll get this season because I just don't see the the technical brilliance in the team apart from Hammers, but he he's unavailable at the moment and we don't know if we'll ever see him. So we'll have to find other ways of attacking. And we didn't attack well the second half of last season because we didn't have anything. So I think a good start to improve that will be good crossing. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I think good Everton sides have always had good wide players. In my opinion, like over the years, whether it's like under Moyes and that, but or like obviously the great sides of the eighties as well, there was always good wide players and good crosses into the area for big strikers. Mm, yeah, I, I think that's sort of our the DNA. I don't know. I think. See, it is. It, it's sort of our identity. People talk about that no identity. I, I, I don't think. I think Saturday was very much an Everton's performance, and I think. I think I think at times in the under Carlo Ancelotti we sort of hit that kind of mark as well when we played four four two and certain moments when we were difficult and aggressive. But I don't think we've had that nearly enough over the last ten years, no. where we've been aggressive and difficult. And an Everton team to me is a team that that's an absolute nightmare to play against, horrible to play against. And when you come to Goodison, you feel it with the crowds and the team together. They both both make it difficult for you, and away from home, we can be, we can be, we can we can that can be negotiated. But I think at home, I think that is how you're going to get results and get the crowd going is by making it really horrible to play against. And we haven't had that. Something we haven't really touched on. You mentioned there the four four two that Carlo Ancelotti employed in his first half a season. And obviously that season ended disastrously and we couldn't stand what we were seeing at times towards the end of that year, but yeah, especially after the restart. But yeah. you look at the difference now, the entire personnel in the 4-4-2 is different to what Ancelotti had. I think, it, I had, think it's more suited to it. Yeah, much more suited because you've got... I mean, the Ancelotti midfield four, if you like, was Walcott, Bernard, Gomez and Schneiderlin. 
now 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 you've got like you've got two slow centre mids, whereas now you've got uh, Ducore and Allen who are much, you know, much tougher in the tackle, much more aggressive, and you know make the make the midfield more of a battle. And then you've got uh, two, like I say, two wingers who are better at crossing than the two I just mentioned in Walcott and Bernard. Yeah, I I I I feel for for Carlo in that sense because I think that's how he wanted to play in the four four two. But we had very passive midfielders. Yeah, and I think now we our land's good on the ball, and but the it, it's mostly sort of the the four we had on there Saturday, especially second half, were more workman like, and I think that's what you need in four four two. Players about Yeah. Especially when you've got two in there, most teams play three, so four two three one or four three three or three five two or whatever. They they sort of pack the midfielders out and they play through the pitch and that kind of sense. So they wanted more midfielders. When we play a two, you're gonna to have to have two midfielders who work hard, and I think that's all we have. I think Alan works hard, and I think Takore works hard. I think while Rafa Benitez will instill in them is that discipline and that sort of tactical understanding of how to sort of be aggressive but also stay compact and, and I think that, I think that's why he talks about a lot Benitez is that sort of discipline in aggression so you can play higher up the pitch but you still need to stay compact so when the counter attack comes you, you, you don't sort of get exposed I think they'll learn that from Rafa Benitez and I, think, I would be very surprised if we sort of veer too far away from a four-four-two version or four-two-three-one with a split striker this season, and I think that suits us. And I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think I know it does work for us. And you know, with that in mind, like Connor, what the midfields like? Would you like to see more additions in midfield, Connor? Like to sort of help that become a bit more dynamic. Well, I mean, if we're going to play the the two, um, then I'd like to see maybe and. Like if I was going to be picky, because obviously it's not the, I don't think it's the position we'd all agree needs the most work um, and we should try and aim for the most. But I'd like to see maybe some good replacement. Obviously, we've got Shabamin, who I think will be good. But then other than that, I don't see Andre Gomez being a work. Like Owen just said, you want workers in midfielders and you, you want grafters. I don't see Andre Gomez being that much of a grafter there. Um, you know, so maybe another one to go alongside him because I, I just think he'll be a bit of a passenger. Um, and that's the last thing I'd want is someone to get injured and then us put somebody else in who isn't going to work hard and that be, you know, in, in six, eight months where we look back and go, oh, well, that injury really did cost us because so-and-so didn't fill in the role that they were meant to. Yeah, you need to think of every role. I, I was trying to think of midfielders we've been linked with, but then I remember one was Sean Longstaff and I'm, I'm not really trying to show both on that. So. No, I'm not yeah. bought on at all. I, he, he was somehow slower than Schneider when we played Newcastle the other year. So, I, I maybe he, he's probably a, a, a nice fella and a good footballer for Newcastle, but I think that isn't something I would look to pursue. No, no, definitely not. Anguissa, aren't we? Or there's been rumours about Anguissa from Fulham. Yeah, well, he'd be one. He's all right. He's, he said he'd, he'd be a yeah. good like, midfield enforcer. I think we... Similar to the sort of, you know, James McCarthy address a gay type player, isn't he? Well, we could have had McCarthy on a free. Well, he's gone to Celtic, hasn't he? Much to the yeah. anger of Celtic fans. 
I would have thought of a few World Cup better for him than Celtic when he's going to have to control the ball all year, but whatever. But uh, yeah, it's a, it, we do need a look. I like I like those type of players. The Everton play Everton fielders have always had to graft. Like and Pondu yeah. were well liked. I, yeah, I, I think I think midfield is a big one for us because because of the work that's going to be required in there. One injury to one of the main two, which will come, and then you're throwing Delph and Gomez, and then the intensity level drops off. And Andre Gomez isn't the best of the ball as well, so you'll basically have one in midfield. It's I know it's only been about what 15 minutes into the first pause of the season, and I'm already taking Gomez out, and so people might not appreciate that, but I think the point sort of stands on the midfield that we need more dynamism. We need more in there than just the two, because if one gets an injury, we're we're, we're toast. Yeah, you know, it's, it's we do need to strengthen. I think the midfield is crucial to how we're going to play this season. I think getting those players, in, I think Angus might be a good example of what we need. There's plenty around of that ilk. You just need to find the honest yeah. drafters. Yeah, I. I it, it won't be difficult, even if you could get someone for very cheap. I think workmen like midfielders never sort of, well, they might do these days, but they ne- they, you won't be paying a, an extortionate amount, amount for a, a workman like midfielder. And I think even if we just get one for now, we sort of back up to them too, but can come in and there isn't a drop-off too much, then we should be fine. I think, I think, I still think we need another winger and possibly another a striker to I'm not I'm not really convinced with Keane on it as an as an Everton striker, but we could possibly Moise do Keane isn't convinced about Moise Keane being an Everton striker. No, I mean he he was another one that people were slaughtering that weren't weren't given the game and now we now the new manager's come in and he, he doesn't seem to particularly want him either. So yeah. Moise Keane's Moise Keane. I, I I could see us bringing in and you probably probably won't like this very much, but I think Everton would probably find someone on a free like Salomon Rondon more useful than Moise Keane this season, just because of his profile. I haven't really got any beef with Rondon as long as it's like a loan or a low wage. Well, it'd be free. It'd be a free transfer. Or high wages, you presume, given where he's signing from. Yeah, but... If he, if he was to come, he would be on our terms because he hasn't got a club. So you could possibly, you, if, if he wants a big wage, you'd just have to say no, wouldn't you? But if we were, if we'd so keen that allowed us to bring in a few here and there, but we needed a backup striker, I wouldn't be adverse to him being our backup striker because I think he's proven in the Premier League before with West Brom and Newcastle that in a team. Similar to us, we played in West Brom in Newcastle, where gets the ball out wide and puts in the box, and uh, he can be useful. I mean, he wouldn't be if you're giving me 150 million pounds in the every summer, and you asked me to buy a striker, he wouldn't be someone I'd look at. But when you're having to make sort of ends meet and trying to find someone who who can be useful, I think he could possibly be of use for us, but. I mean, if we don't sign him, I won't lose any sleep over it. But I think he could be one. I, I just don't see Moise Keane being here past the deadline. So 
we will need a backup striker because Broadhead's gone to Sunderland, hasn't he? Yeah, he Not has. That he was a knock. <laughs> he, he was technically a striker. Yeah, I think in terms of the game, though, like that sort of tactical setup, you saw how it helped us back into the game in the set in the second half. You know that directness. You don't. We don't come back if you keep playing. T- you, when you're losing a game. A tippy tappy style isn't going to get you back in the game. A tippy tappy style doesn't do much good for Evan at all with its current personnel, in my opinion. But no, and I don't think it does no matter who the personnel. You know, unless you're talking like an entire team of Galacticos, which we'll never have. Yeah. If you've got Man City's team, it's fine, but they even chose on Sunday that when you, you can overplay. When you're getting beat, you can't be playing like that. I think I think Benitez in his first thing, you mentioned this himself. He said, "We they, they, there's plenty of ways to sort of skin a cast. So you can do it in twenty passes, or you can do it in three. So I'd rather do it in three, He said. But Everton we need to fans take in general, mate, I think I'll be honest. I'll speak for the majority of Everton fans here, guys. When I say most Everton fans wanted what would rather it be done in three. Well, yeah, anyone would, but there are there are there is the school of thought that we need to be a sort of modern progressive sort of control possession team that has worked for us so many times in our history that I can't believe that we've become this brilliant Barcelona ex football team in the last hundred years and it's never happened. So get that out here. Get that. Thing is, mate, for me, progressive football is progressing the ball into the goal. Yeah, I'm getting it up the pitch as quickly as you can with as much quality as you can. That's that's always been the MO for any team, even Man City. The the speed on which they move the ball is really quick. It's only when they play on Saturday, Sunday, sorry, that they were they were just laborious in how they played. When you when you're knocking it around your half a hundred times like Bournemouth used to do. And then they get used to get pinched off you twice and you're 2-0 down after 20 minutes. It's not really effective or good football then or... It was or Roberto Martinez, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, we this could have been a very different sort of podcast if he was if he'd come back. Well, yeah, if he'd come there was, back there was, there, was, there was rumours. Yeah, there was certainly rumours that uh, I, I was relishing the, the prospect of Martinez coming back. But no, I think... <laughs> The the idea that we that we have to sort of have sixty five percent of the ball every week to be to be exciting or progressive is just nonsense. I think we we showed second half that the the best way sometimes to to score goals and be and to win games is quick direct football and it it worked and I I found it very enjoyable watching the seventeen crosses that went into their box and. Richarlison and Calvaloon getting shot away, Alan. There was a ball forward in like the second minute. We just turned their defence. It broke and then Alan just fired it at the keeper. I mean, it, there's many ways to play football and I think we, we played a very good version of football on some, a Saturday, I thought. You know, I, I agree and I think this, like I say, I've said this on a couple of occasions now, it's the Everton DNA, I think, is to play a pace, be combative, 
get it out wide and provide service to good strikers. And I, 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 I know we don't sort of love quoting Jamie Carragher and, and sometimes he, he, he pats us on the head a bit and it does really annoy me, but he, he once said when he was, to, or he even said it the other day and stuff and that, Teams sort of follow different models of sort of clubs who are winning stuff when they try and sort of do stuff. So there are clubs who try and play Barcelona's way or a Liverpool way. So when they sort of press high and they do buy Munich, so kind of the German sort of what Klopp does. He said Evans way should be Atletico Madrid's for basically two powerful centre forwards and be aggressive and difficult. The Everton and way before the Everton way before it was the Atletico Madrid way. When Everton was successful, yeah. that's how Everton played. Yeah. yeah, so I'm just saying it because that's how they currently sort of operate. So when people talk about this way or that way, I think Everton doesn't Everton has its own sort of way which the fans react to. And I think it was it was an enjoyable experience Saturday watching us play that way, I think. Uh, Whatever you in, you know, the um, the amount of times we hit the ball forward, I think ultimately it worked and we won the game. So we move out. We'll have to play the same way against Leeds because they press like mad. So moving the ball forward quickly against Leeds. Turn their defenders would be we've got to turn their defenders. And... Yeah, they, same as the Southampton. They both play really high line, so we have to get the ball in behind them very early. Yeah. With that in mind, uh, Connor, has that sort of changed your mood for the season? I know we've still got a lot of business to be done. I think we need to do some business, but has it lifted your mood a little bit? Yeah, it, it certainly um, it answered some doubts I had. Um, obviously, it's the first game when I did the um, post-match. I got one person coming on that was like, ah, you're all wrong. And I was like, it's the first game of the season, so do take that with a little bit of you know, a pinch of salt. Um, but it certainly changed my mind in some doubts. And if that's how we're going to play um, for the foreseeable, I think um, we're. Well, I think we're going to be in for an enjoyable season, certainly to watch. Um, like Owen said, it was just a pleasure to watch us attack with some sort of urgency and direction. Uh, too many times last season, I thought we were lacked direction is the best way to describe it. Sometimes we we're just knocking it about, and like Owen said, it was mainly going through the left-hand side. At least now we're using both sides of the flanks as well. It just adds a bit of variety. And when you've got Richarlison and, you know, Calvert-Lewin up front, it seems almost daft to try and pass it to their feet when you can just aim, you know, aerially. Or like, it doesn't even have to be up in the air. You know, the Calvert-Lewin's goal was quite a low cross that he managed to get his head to. Short, low crosses into the box like that as well. Richarlison can sniff them out. Um, so yeah. it certainly adds to some of my doubts. Um, and hopefully, you know, going forward. I'd like to see what we do against bigger teams. That would be the next doubt that I want to see answered is how we perform against the bigger sides, you know, the Chelsea's, the United's. Uh, certainly after the pre-season, I want to see how we do against the United. So. I, think, I think that's the answer. Is everyone okay? Owen's found himself in some sort of echo chamber. Hello? There we go. There we go. Is that okay? Yeah, that is okay. Yeah, let's just pretend that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> there you go, as I said, whoever's editing this, we're coming back in three, two, one. Yeah, well, to be honest, I think the answer to that is sort of what Carlo Ancelotti did last season in terms yeah. of the big game and how we 
how we won them by being very well organised, I thought, and win, like Anfield, Arsenal, Chelsea. So many games you can think of where we nicked by the odd goal through being really organised. And I think, OK, that was pre-season. I don't, I don't think that was a particularly good sort of good example to, to where I'm sure what Rafa Benitez will be like in them big games. But I think Benitez will be very similar in terms of how we'll set us up. I mean, hopefully, I think that's the thing. We, we've, we've found a blueprint of how to get results against these teams. You know, OK, those away games, it might be more difficult with fans back, but equally home games will be more winnable with fans back. So, you know, there's no reason, particularly the home games against those sides, that you can't go into it and play that way. But, but even even in the away games, I think there's a there's a big difference between the sort of the approach the likes of Carlo took in them games and Rafa to what used to happen with Moyes, who used to be basically used to give the games up sometimes because we just we had no kinds of approach to win them. I think what what Benitez is really good at, and I think watched I haven't watched some of his teams over the years when he takes a team who aren't as good against a team who are very good. He's very good at boiling the piss of the other team and sort of time wasting, taking four years to take a goal kick. That kind of so taking it to the corner and that half time when they're one nil up. That kind of stuff he, he he's very good at he's very good at managing the game and he, he his teams don't sort of shit themselves against the bigger teams like Everton apart from last season were very well accustomed to doing. Yeah, and another thing as well, I think, Everton DNA, I think that's another thing about Benitez that the fans would take to is the whole, I mean, he does like winding up the opposition and making life a misery for them and like making them not able to play their own game. I think mm-hmm. Everton fans like to see us frustrate the opposition. Yeah, I think that, that's, that is pretty much it. I think there's a lot, Everton fans love winding other clubs up and I think it if we can wind other clubs up by taking it to the corner flag in the fifth minute and doing a Ben Foster and taking five years to take a goal kick and time waste and join their cars, then <laughs> very, we'll very much do that. Um, but on Rafa Benitez, I think he got a really warm reception, I would say, before the game on, on Saturday. I, I, was, I was stood there nervously expecting a, a, a not-so-warm reception, but thankfully he got a warm reception and for as long as we're winning games I expect him to get a warm reception because I think he's got a difficult job on his hands it's a thankless task I would say but I think if anyone can stand up and sort of sort of big it up it is Rafa Benitez oh, long, may, long may it continue and like hopefully we keep getting like decent results because you know you can't doubt you know results are you know the, that's it you win games you can't doubt the manager he's managed. He's got he's got a very big personality, hasn't he? I think you could even see on the on the touchline Benitez and Ferguson. There was a there was a big presence on our bench that that yeah. that sort of say unnerved them to be honest. Because the it, it, I used to always when we used to play in derby games against Liverpool, I used to look at Benitez on the bench and used to think, God, he's re- he really gets them up for the, these games and they don't care how they win them. So it's like I've I've always admired him from afar in terms of how he's how he operates himself on the touchline, and I think is if he brings the good stuff to us, then 
Ethan, he'll always get a warm reception from me. Fingers crossed anyway. We'll, um, we'll have to wait and see. Now we've got Leeds up next on Saturday, but um, you know, before that, you never know. We might get some transfer business done as well. So I'll have who, to wait and who see. your man at the matches? Well, who, who, your man, who were um, both your man at the matches? Yeah, Connor, you first, mate. Uh, I picked Richardson just just over the Corey because he got a goal and an assist. And by so I went to Corey. Who 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 you said? Yeah, to Corey as well. Yeah, well, we're both biased because we were huge fans of him last season, weren't we? We, I, we I was a huge to... fan of him, like Stad Rene before he even went to Watford. Yeah, yeah. We've always been big on Abdullah the Corey on on the podcast, haven't we? So the Corey um, people, people, people have said, "Oh, I, I hope we get to see Hammers in the flesh, and I hope he doesn't leave." I was just worried to Corey was going to Corey someone up the way. Yeah, yeah that, that, that was it for me to see to Corey in an Evan shirt, and he scores, and I went pretty insane when he scored. Let's just say, fair play. Yeah. It was a great, great performance in the end, and you know, hopefully, more of the same coming up. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, that's the end of the extra time segment, anyway, guys. Welcome to Transfer Talk segment where Connor, Owen and myself will be going through all the latest transfer rumours and probably doing a lot of debunking given the lack of outgoings at the moment but we'll wait and see uh, what the window holds. We've got exactly two weeks to go until transfer deadline day and still hopefully some business to be done for Everton. But we'll get straight into it. We'll start with the I think the big ones, which are the outgoings at the moment, namely a certain uh, Colombian who's constantly, he really seems to have found a real love for Twitch streams lately, hasn't he? Yeah, Before. I had net Twitch streams before he did them, I'm being totally honest, because I still live like it's 1904, and I haven't heard of some technology that that's out there, but yeah, Hamas seems to be pretty keen on leaving without saying he wants to leave seems to be saying everyone else wants him to leave. So it's a weird one. I think he is playing some sort of game. Like it's a it's a, it's it's a tough one, isn't it? I think for us as fans it's a annoying because you know I think it, it's also I'm not sure if he's aware of the situation with Everton and Benitez, but you think he's maybe taking advantage of the fact that Benitez hasn't been the most popular appointment to maybe try and drive a wedge. Yeah. He, he, he certainly got some fantastic PR going on. <laughs> Everyone's sort of spinning it through through his words. That it's it's sort of Rafa Benitez trying to drive him out, which, to be honest, is, is, he probably isn't. Rafa Benitez is a cup of tea. But equally, he doesn't want to be playing forever next season, I don't think. No, I mean, unless... Of course, he came here originally to play with Carlo Ancelotti, who's of course gone elsewhere now. If you're could he him, not go, could he not go back to Real Madrid with Carlo? Could they not? Would Carlo not on Real Madrid not facilitate that? Because I think from, they're from what, we are in terms of the yeah. FFP situation. Yeah, they 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 are trying to bring Mbappe and Arnie, but I'm not sure they'll be able to do that. It's not going to happen, to be honest. If like, unless something proper mad happens in terms of, like, they sell 
I don't know, they, they sell someone bang average for like a lot of money. Yeah, well, it's a good job we are, we haven't got money because it'd be us who'd buy that bang average player for a lot of money. Like you can put your money on that, couldn't you? Honestly, it's I'm 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 in a way kind of glad to see us tightening the strings, even though it's disappointing on the transfer front. It yeah. shows that maybe they've learned something. Yeah, I'm, I I still would like us to bring a couple in, but. I'd rather I'd like to see us bring in players who who, will, who would improve us rather than players who would would not improve us essentially and and be difficult to shift and like Delft that was a signing for me at the time which I could see no positives in because I didn't I never really rated them that greatly me neither. and yeah and even despite it was a small fee I, I I could always see us being lumbered with that whereas I see Andros Townsend is a bit different I think I find them a bit more. I could see him a lot playing a lot more games and I can see him offering a lot more use. So him on a free transfer, I like it. That type of business. Same with Gray. There's, the worst thing that would happen with Gray is if he, he, he's, not, he's not great, we sell him on for a couple more million in a year's time. It, it, it doesn't... They don't seem risky signings and Begovic is a decent backup. We have to be we have to be trying to bring in pretty low-risk buyers, in my opinion, this summer, rather than spending... Putting big money down for for players who are essentially risks and with maybe low reward. So the 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 example is the forty five million for Sigurdsson. You don't want to be doing that again. No, we definitely don't want to be doing that. Um, that's for sure. Um, we also don't. I'll be honest. As good as as promising as players that age might be, the talent. You don't want any more 25, 30 millions from Moise Keynes either. No, but no, but the thing with Moise Keane is you, you don't, they, I get you, but also if you buy Moise, uh, we'll probably make a profit on Moise Keane due to his year at PSG. And I, so that doesn't seem to be a great, that wasn't a great risk in that sense because I think we'll make money back for him if we manage to sell him. And if we don't sell him, he'll have to play and prove himself but yeah, we, we you talk you met asked me before about Kieran Trippier and while I really like Kieran Trippier I, I, I don't think the club can afford to do a deal like that right now. No I no they, I, I I do agree with that. I I think they they need to bring in like a the 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 lad we've been linked with in the last couple of days and a, a radio booter someone like that who who can possibly come in and learn the ropes for a year and, and then maybe take over from Coleman halfway through or next summer because I I, I just I, I can't see us being able to do too much between now and the end of the window. No, I mean, of course, it's, that's why I've kind of focused already, if, if you haven't noticed, on this show on the outgoings rather than the incomings because at the moment they're the more prevalent rumours, they're the ones that will no doubt have more in them than, you know, these random outlets that are bringing up names and some interesting names in there, ones that might be a bit more realistic, like Matthew Hopper, I think I've seen, um, the American striker, I think. Those kind of signings are probably more realistic, like you say, but they're still not... It isn't great, is it? <laughs> but they're still not, like, even with those ones, you've... Incoming transfers, I think you take it with a pinch of salt. 
I think it's when yeah. I think outgoings. I think at the moment we need to. I think if those kinds of rumors, we should be paying more attention as fans to those because outgoings are far more likely than incomings at the moment. Um, yeah. I I don't know a great deal about the 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 lad from Schalke, the American fella, but two million quid from a I I I struggle to get excited by ninety five percent of these links, which is good because normally they are quite high profile links, which we all get excited about never happens. So I'm just, I'm just seeing what happens. I think I think we've got enough to be competitive at the moment, but you would still like to bring a couple more in ultimately. Uh, yeah, and I, I do think we will, but it's gonna. I'd like to see, like I say, I'm I'm personally quite happy to see us tighten the pair string. So I would like to see personally more players leave before we start bringing them in. And if we could, if we could bring it just one signing in, who would just both say, yeah, it would be him who or a position even that we we you would just simply think we have to we have to sort of stretch our resources to try and get? Oh, uh, it would be a right back, I think. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think as to who, I'd have said Dumfries, but not happened. No, I I, I wrote something on us trying, should, we should have got Dumfries when Marco Silva was manager because I thought he really suited the way we were playing then in terms of getting high up the pitch and sort of pressing high and that that kind of style. I, I don't I don't think he would have been a great fit under Rafa Benitez. Maybe not. But, um... but he, he only could maybe have been moulded. I think Rafa's took plays in the past to maybe have looked at an, an odd fit for him and, and he's got a tune out of them. So maybe, but I think ultimately we're... we're if we get anyone in before the end, I think we would have done well because it, it just doesn't look really promising at the moment on that front. No, it does. Um, I, 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 I can't even think of a decent like right back who would improve the team at the moment. You know, they're not young ones anyway. It's like it's. I think Dumfries was the one that screamed at us, wasn't it? It was like the obvious solution, but yeah. Uh, Beyond I that, maybe that boot is probably the best thing we could do at the moment. Maybe I I would have liked to have seen us last summer trying to compete to get Massy Cash, who went to Villa. I think he's that been okay. I think he's been okay there. I was calling for that at the time, and well, we never did, did we? And I think ultimately Villa have sort of benefited from having that deal done, and yeah. So ultimately. Again, it was another one that could have been, but he didn't do. Yeah, it's positions you think we could be doing. I think there's a couple of positions I'd like to strengthen. I think for me, bike back to the priority, but there's others of I wouldn't like Terry knows if I was bringing in strength. Like we mentioned on the previous show, of course, Zamba Mangis, uh, the centre mid, no one other tough tackle and dynamic centre mid would be good. Fast winger, and also you, you mentioned if Keane goes a backup striker as well, albeit even if on loan. You know, we, we have touched on a few of those, but they they will be what we are needing. Yeah, but 
for me, right back is the priority. Connor, what about you, mate? Who would you like to see come in? Uh, mine was going to be right back as well. Um, I mean, I, I just feel like it's a position we really do need. I was gutted to miss out on Dumfries. Um, I know we were linked at one point with Max Ahrens. I just financially, I just don't see that even being a capability. I don't think Norwich no. can go, you know, anything. And if we can't get the 12 million that was rumoured for Dumfries or whatever, uh, or see that as a viable option, I don't think we're going for Max Ahrens. Um, I mean, I'd like to see us pick up another winger. I quite like McNeil. I wouldn't mind White McNeil at Everton. Um, I think he's got. I think he's got the ability to produce a good end product as well, which I think sometimes um, you sort of sometimes people overlook that for pace. But I mean, I think I feel he's a really good player, and I know. A couple of yeah, yeah. I, I, I asked them. I was, I was going to say I've never thought of him as a slow player. I've got a mate who's an uh, Burnley fan, and he can't believe that Everton, certain Everton fans are going, oh, he's too slow. Because he said whenever he watches him uh, play when he goes to games, he said he's he's actually, you know, he's not, don't get me wrong, he's not Leon Bailey rapid, but he's not slow by any means. Certain people are making out like we're not going to have Robert Snodgrass or Robbie Brady out on the team. Robbie Brady. <laughs> he's going for nothing, isn't he? So. <laughs> no, I, I, I've watched the hell of I've watched pretty much every game Dwight McNeil played last season when it was just on the telly and that and he isn't slow. He isn't he, he isn't raw pace, but equally he's not Sigurdsson. He's he is he, he's got he's got a turn of pace about him and he's a really nice footballer as well. I don't know. I, I, I think the problem is with McNeil is that because some people are football snobs that the fact that he plays for a team that they don't particularly care for in other terms of the way they try and play, then that uh, he can't be any good and no one ever been there can be any good. And so ultimately it's, it's just something I don't really listen to a great deal of what people have got to say, I make me my own mind up and I've watched him and I think he'd be a really good fit for what we're trying to do and how we're trying to play this season. Oh, definitely. I, I think we... If I'm not sure if McNeil's the exact player we need, but I think it's definitely a player of that. I think it's basically we need a, more players like uh, I think a, a Townsend or a Gray, like basically a little upgrade on those. Basically, I mean, yeah. McNeil might be the upgrade on Townsend to almost to a T. I think when we, if we're playing 4 4 2 and we're getting crosses in the box, he is the exact player I would have pinpointed pinpointed for us to sign McNeil, but we'll see if we can get it done like any deal between now and plus I don't see that happening because Burnley at the moment they're trying to bring in two wingers as well as McNeil because they have lost Robbie Brady as we've said. I think Aaron Lennon's gone back there as a, as a trialist at the moment, but they're really struggling for wire places. So unless McNeil is going they're gonna get a ridiculous offer for him. I don't see them wanting to par with McNeil. And equally, McNeil isn't pushing to leave. So I struggle to see that one happening, to be honest. No, I mean, I do think we'll end up with somebody different at the end of the window. Um, in terms of the right-backs, you mentioned Aurelio Buta, who's been linked. But beyond that, can you think of anybody who'd fit the bill? Well, we there's been a sort of... Hint the last couple of days that Benitez is keen on Trippier, but 
again, I I just can't see us paying the the fee that would require him to come here. I I just don't think we can afford to do that. On loan, maybe. Maybe, um, yeah, maybe if we could get that done on loan, and there's always the fallback option, which is Gibral Sadibi back. <laughs> Kuka Martinez, he got a club. Well, Jacobson. That's uh, John Joe FC. Oh, I forgot we still had him. So, yeah, we'll just play Kenny. Why not? Yeah, or think... we'll just go back four centre-backs because we were unbelievable when we were playing four centre-backs. <laughs> so let's just buy, buy just loads of centre-backs and just play them all. Just, yeah, be really horrible. Yeah, I think the more horrible, the better, I think, uh, as far as Owen's concerned. Uh, yeah. Get a bunch of Vinnie Joneses in and just kick the lumps out of everyone. <laughs> uh, Connor, what else? What else would you like to see us bring in? Uh, I mean, if Moise King goes, a backup striker would be an ideal one. Uh, I think that make a little bit of sense. But I, I don't know. Maybe Solomon Rondon, like Owen mentioned. Um, you know, because he's a free transfer, and like Owen said previously. He would suit the style of the play that we're going to go for. If you're going to get crosses and you need somebody who's going to be an aerial threat and he physically is quite an empowering person, you know, he's going to bully defenders in the box and try and get his head on stuff. So maybe him. Other than that, though, I don't see... Uh, obviously, we're linked with that hop. Um, I don't know enough about him to really give uh, a full opinion on. I know he played in the Gold Cup and I think he got one goal in five games for the US. Um, and I know a couple of, um, you know, scouts on Twitter... Uh, rate him quite highly but I, I I don't know enough to judge him uh, so other than that I don't know who you'd go for as a backup striker and ultimately that's like who's going to want to come to play as a backup striker because it'd be very obvious that's what they'd be I, I would be more comfortable is that okay? Yeah, all up there you're right yeah um, I'd be more comfortable with Rondon than the American fella but no that's just maybe because I haven't seen that overlap play, but I think how old's the um the fella? How old's Hop? Hop's uh, twenty-one. Yeah, I would so... I would question his sort of ambition to come to Everton at twenty-one to be our backup striker with very limited opportunities to play due to how our front two Richarlison and Calvert-Lewin play. Anytime the fit, I, I if he, surely he'd want to go somewhere where he's going to play thirty games a season, and I, I, I don't, I don't see that being a possibility for him ever. And I think if I if I was him, I'd be wanting to go somewhere where I'll get more game time. But I'm I'm unsure, and I think beyond them two, I don't know. Have we been linked with anybody else? Not up top anyway, now. No, so I don't know. It's a difficult one. I think there there was a there was a rumor going around last week about Holgate going to Brighton, but I think that was quite yeah. quickly. I, I, that being it, I don't know. Would, would there be an offer a, a bid you would entertain for Mason Holgate? Yeah, yeah, I think there would be. Uh, what about you, Connor? Yeah, uh, I'd certainly. I'd certainly welcome it, um, depending on the price. Obviously, we got in for quite cheap anyway, so we're going to make a profit regardless. But, um, 
Yeah, I actually think I actually think as well. Um, if he went to Brighton, he'd actually have a bit of a resurgence in his career. I think he'd do quite well at Brighton. I think he'd suit the system that Potter's trying to put forward. Yeah, he, they they play pretty much a free free man defence. And to be honest, any time Mason Holgate's been good in the consistent spell as when we've been playing, when he's been our right back last season, or when we played free centre back. So I think if he was. I think that would be that'd be a good fit for him, and if we got a decent bid for him, I wouldn't be totally averse for us doing that because I think it'd be one good for the player and more money in the coffers so we can strengthen the squad. But I don't know. I'm not in a rush to sell him, but I just thought because he was being linked with other clubs, would would that be something we we could consider doing? Um, but like I said, I think it, it's just a case of us. Looking, looking around and seeing, can we just pick players up to improve the team? What, what, what happened to um the 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 lad from Sport and Lisbon, Matthias Nunes, was it? That seems that was, to that's uh, long gone, hasn't it? That rumor yeah, that was like yeah. all over. The, I was all over for a long time, wasn't it? Yeah, right, he was apparently at a hotel, wasn't he? Ready to sign during the summer. At one point, people were saying, yeah, I mean. I don't know. I didn't know too much about him either to 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 comment. But we is is what it's difficult because when yet when when I haven't seen a lot of a play, it's difficult for me to to comment on them. But he we do need players, and he did seem someone who could improve with the team. Yeah, I think another thing we mentioned there we were speaking about. Mason Holgate possibly going to Brighton. They have to soap Ben White. He played Shane Duffy Saturday, and I don't think he really suits the way they try and play. So yeah. not the not the Potter way anyway. He was, he was bought in the Hutton days, wasn't he? Yeah, he's very much Chris's um, Chris Hutton sort of him and Duncan Duffy with the rear guard when they do so so um tough and un- no nonsense when they so. I don't think I, I I can see that. I'm surprised Joel Veltman hasn't been playing for them because I'd have seen him as a bit more of a suitable centre back for them than Shane Duffy. But yeah, they I think they'll bring someone in if it's Holgate, then that'll, that we'll have to see. But I think people would argue that's another position we need to be sold Holgate. Would the fee just justify the means? I think the fee will justify the means, to be honest with you. I think, you know, the thing is, Arsenal have just paid a lot of money for Ben White. I think if they could, if they've just received 50 million for him, I don't see why we couldn't sneak a 20 million out of them for Holgate. Yeah, we know they've got money now, don't we? So we could probably throw a couple more quid out of them. Um, yeah, that was a crazy buy, though. Ben White, 50 million. That's, that's interesting. Yeah, but you know that this is the thing. They want, want, want to sign the Ramsdale for about twenty-five million. They must have money to burn if they were willing to spend that much on average players. So England, England, your old finalists, those two. That's it. So that that's, that's how fact, people are flogging them in it. Yeah, I mean, no, neither of them kicked the ball. Maybe in the England once. Yeah, Baby and Delph got to the World Cup semi-finals with England. <laughs> Clearly, Brands fell for that one. Yeah, well, 
we pay, we we gave Man City about seven million quid for him, didn't we? That's clinically insane, that isn't it? That's high street robbery, though. Yeah, I, I think he's been fit for about four games since he's been here. Yeah, it's um, just mad, isn't it? Like, but that's the thing. I think I'm I'm glad to see that's the kind of team I've been going with this whole show. Really, is that I'm happy that we're not making moves like that. I think the moves we are making are generally, you know, we're not spending a lot of money with being quite frugal, being a bit yeah. more clever with the signings. And, you know, I think we need to become more clever because since Mashiri took over, we just haven't, we just seem to be like, I don't know, it's just unhinged in terms of our transfer spending. And it's just it, like... It's, it's very much a reality check, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, but you know the thing is, if we do see sense, then you know we need that kind of sense to be to become a regular thing at Everton, and to you know to make just make sure that we're a bit more clever in the market because we haven't been, and you know we need to start building a squad properly rather than the scattergun approach that we've taken. And you know if this is the start of that, then that can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think. The, we, I, I don't know who we'll ultimately bring in if anyone, but we really we who we have got we need to make the most out of this season and sort of get the most out of everyone. And ultimately, I think we'll see if the end Rafa Benitez can work his magic and get an extra ten percent out of everyone. Yeah, I think that that'll be the aim. I think we want. I, I do. I do. Like the idea of an Everton team, even though like some of these signings have been underwhelming, maybe. But I think for us, it's more important to basically change the way things have been in the last five years and make an Everton team again, similar to maybe what David Moyes had, where the team was actually greater than the sum of its parts, rather than you know some of the parts not equal in a team as it is at the moment, yeah. where you know you've got a lot of you know decent players on paper who just won't gel and don't seem to know how to play football when they settle on a pitch in an Everton jersey. Yeah, but ultimately, I think yeah, yeah, it's very much been a reality check this summer and we'll just see how it ends if we get a few more in. Yeah, we'll, we'll leave it there anyway. We'll um, see how the transfer window pans out. Like I said earlier on, two weeks to go to the day of transfer deadline day. Yeah. Uh, Hopefully, with a lot of more ins and outs to come at Everton, um, we'll have to keep our eyes open. I'm sure the transfer rumour mill will be hotting up as the week, as this week pans out. And welcome to the match preview segment for Everton's second league game of the new season. Leeds United versus Everton Mellon Road on Saturday. Uh, I'm joined by Connor, of course. We're going to be getting straight into the nitty-gritty of this one and what we can expect from Everton going into and the next game off the back of a good win, of course, against Southampton, Connor. Um, obviously, I'm presuming you're feeling a lot more optimistic about this than you perhaps were a week ago. Yeah, massively, um, massively more optimistic. Not just because of our result, but also because of the result leads have just come off. Yeah, I don't know how much we can read into that. Obviously, Manchester United done us 4-0, so 
Well, yeah, yeah. When you put it like that, you know, I, I don't think it's so much down to that. It's about. I think it's we should be confidence should really be coming from our own performance rather than if Leeds were poor at the weekends because you know Leeds might not be poor next week. It's up to Everton really, I think, to be consistently decent and you know continue with the decent performance we saw in the second half at Goodison at the weekend. Um, but yeah, like you say, I mean, it's an interest, it's an interesting fixture. It certainly wasn't one. Prior to the, the weekend, that we weren't one I was looking forward to going to Ellen Road to face Leeds. I think, I mean, it's one of those, it's going to be Leeds' first game in front of fans as well for a while. So it might, it's, it's going to be one of those. It might not necessarily be the, it's, it's not going to be an easy task for us at all. It doesn't matter how badly they played last week or how well we played. I think this is going to be a really tough task with the, Fans back in the ground at Ellen Road. I can imagine they're going to be right up for things for the first time they'll have witnessed Premier League football. So, yeah, the first time they've witnessed the Premier League since uh, 17 years. So, uh, I can imagine it'll be quite an atmosphere. And we're going to have to, you know, cope with that as well as what abilities their players have got. Yeah, I completely forgot. You know, with all that's going on, I completely forgot that they'd have four fans back in. Um, sort of got used to last season where the stadiums were all empty. Um, yeah, I forgot about that. The fans as well, like you said, they're a massive um, plus for Leeds, especially after all that year, like all that time waiting to get back in the Premier League. The, I imagine the atmosphere at Ellen Road is going to be unbelievable. And like you said, it's it's down to as much as you know reading into the result or not, it is down to us and the players on the pitch as well to make sure they go out and get the result, regardless of what the other team has or hasn't done in the past two weeks. Yeah, I mean, obviously Leeds have. Um... I don't know if how much they've actually strengthened their team either. I know we haven't done much on the transfer front this window, but I mean, there's, there, there wasn't much new in the way of new faces in the lead squad either at the weekend. And, you know, Bielsa likes to stick to what he knows. And he's got things again, he's working with quite a small squad. Um, can you see much change in terms of their personnel? Maybe have they signed any players in time between the last game and now? Because it's, it's one of them. I think they've been quite quiet as as of we. Uh, yeah, I can't I can't imagine they're gonna. I can't see them signing anyone since then. I know that uh, they brought that junior Furpo in, who got I think he got pretty much the second half um, at United. But other than that, I, I can't. I think maybe Jack Harrison might be a permanent now. Um, but he was there last season, so it's not like they're adding to the squad. They've just made someone a permanent. Uh, the one thing I will think I do think we'll see in terms of you know difference in the eleven is I think Calvin Phillips, if he's fit enough because he was on the bench, will probably end up back in the first team, you know, the starting eleven, um, which was might be a bit of a problem because obviously he's quite a tenacious midfielder and we were on about our midfield having a bit of bite and he adds that to Leeds as he certainly adds that bit of bite in their midfield. Yeah, and like you say, I think our midfield, depending on who plays, is not necessarily the most workmanlike. I think Decore is, I think, Alan on, on a good day is, but Alan on a bad day, it doesn't bear thinking about him. Again, Tom Davis, the same, was on a good day, very bad on a bad day. And then, of course, Gomez is, you know, it's like running in treacle. So we, we really can't be having that against Leeds. Like, it will, they'll make mince meat of us. No, I agree. I think I think it'll um, come down to both teams, to be fair. I think it'll come down to who's going to outwork the other. And like you said, midfield's a massive part of that. 
Yeah, I'm not too confident about us outrunning Leeds. Leeds outrun everybody. I mean, it's about for, for us, it's about being clever tactically as well. I think we've got a. I mean, I think Benitez is a very tactical coach. You'd hope that he's got some sort of plan in place that will help us get around the fact that I think Leeds are a much more physically fit team than us. Yeah, I'm sure. And not only that, the way they play is so expansive. I'm sure. Um, I'm sure he's. You know, already got the books out, uh, telling the lads what to look for, how to how we can exploit leads for their style of play. Because, like you said, they'll outrun most teams. But um, with how expansive they are, this you know, there's always a chance we can catch them on the counter uh, and pierce them. And you can imagine that'll be the way, as often teams do when they play away games. That'll probably be the way we can expect to see us set up, won't it? It'll be probably a similar formation to what we had uh, against Southampton, but. It depends how it's, you know, employed. I think it might be a bit deeper in terms of where we sit. And again, though, I think I think we discussed this in the, pre- the previous segments where we would like to see a lot of running in behind again, as we saw against Southampton to quite some success. Yeah, I think especially with the high line leads play, um, I think this direct style of play we employed in the second half could really really hurt Leeds, especially if Damari Gray just hangs on the shoulder of the defenders. You know, he's got that much pace, one ball across. I think he I think he has their fullbacks, to be honest, in a race. Um, so I feel like that would probably be the best way to go. Maybe a slightly lower line of engagement and just when we get the ball, direct balls to the wings and see what we can make happen. Yeah, I mean, I was pleased with what I saw from the wingers, even of Obi when he came on, I think. Seem to be a lot more directness, like you say, about them. And we're going to need more of the same, I think, in this game. Albeit, like you say, with a bit a slightly more defensive approach, maybe. But we can definitely be a threat on the break if we get that right. Yeah, and I think that, to be fair, I think fans will say that as well. This uh, It can still be as exciting as the game um, against Southampton as well. You know, I think, I think that's one thing he did show uh, against Southampton. Direct football, it can be. And... To be fair, I've always thought it's more entertaining than this possession-based football that the world seems to be obsessed with slightly at the minute. I wouldn't say the world. I think if you look at like what, like to like, like City, you know, that those Arsenal try and do it, but to a much less effective. I don't know what Arsenal try to do. Uh, well, I know what they try and do. I don't know what they're implement. Uh, it's a lot of possession and no uh, yeah. goals. Yeah, very simple. We saw a lot of it ourselves under the likes of Martinez, Marco Silva as well. But um, I'm definitely of, you know, the idea that aggressive football is always going to be, we spoke about this as well in the previous segments, that the DNA of Everton is to be combative, aggressive. The fans will stand up and applaud hard work and performances. Especially if you're, of course, like when the results are delivered. Yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And like, you know, there's one thing about um, about our fans. We we just want someone who works harder. You can see works hard. You know, Gareth Barry being one of them is absolutely adored because he just worked hard. Uh, it's always, I think that's the bare minimum most fans ask for. But we really do appreciate when you can tell we've got players who work and are aggressive. Well, that's that's how it is, isn't it? You know, we want to. We all, everyone wants to see the players who wear the shirt of their club work hard. And too often, 
especially here, we haven't really seen that in recent years. Certainly, like, you know, the combative midfielders that we've come to love at the club over the years, and we just haven't had that for a long time. I think Decore coming in last year was an improvement on that line as well, probably. But um, you look at prior to that, 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 that season before and when Ancelotti first took over, that was such a wretched midfield. And uh, it's good to see us slowly moving away from that. But uh, there's still work to be done in that position, as well as a few others as well. But yeah, fullbacks, I think we still need to strengthen. I think that's good. That I think that will be something that I'd like to think will happen before the deadline. But in terms of what we have got to work with for this game, uh, personnel-wise, who can you see playing any changes from the starting eleven on Saturday? Um. I don't. I hope he. I hope he stays with. Um, I mean, I'm, I feel like I'm going to be harsh to say this. I personally would maybe drop Michael Keane, um, not just because, but after his mistake, I feel like he struggled to get his head sorted. Uh, but then I know there'll be people out there saying maybe dropping him is not the best way for him to get his head back. Uh, in terms of actually formation, I hope he sticks with the four-four-two instead of the four-two-three-one. Um, I like Damari Gray a lot more out than, you know, as a number 10 behind the striker. I like him a lot more when he's out on the wide wings and Richarlison up front. So I hope we stick with a 4-4-2 formation. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe maybe Michael Keane, but I feel really harsh saying that. I mean, personally, I think given the profile of the player, I'd be more inclined to drop Mason Holgate in favour of Godfrey. Uh, I think we saw Holgate and Godfrey play as a back, a back two once. Last season, I think it was a pretty disastrous. It might have been the Fulham game. I'm not sure which one it was, but I think I remember Holgate and Godfrey playing once as a partnership, and it wasn't a it wasn't a good thing to see. If I remember rightly, it was a pretty poor display all round. So I think Godfrey on one of the sort of more old-fashioned centre backs, either Keen or Yeti Mina, if he's fully fit. I'd have even if we had to swap it to Mina and Godfrey, and I mean it's not ideal to swap two centre backs at the same time for the purpose of consistency. But I would say Mina and Godfrey are our best centre-back partnership when fully fit. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree. I'd like to see that as well. I think they uh, complement each other as well because I'm, I'm, I'm going to say Godfrey seems a lot, I don't know the stats of his sprints, but he looks a lot faster than Mason Holgate as well. He can do the leg running for Yeri Mina, who again, I don't know the stats of it, but he's I don't perceive as a fast player. He's more of like you said, your traditional aerial dominance uh type player. So I'd I'd rather go with those two. I think they complement each other very nicely. Yeah, I think Michael Keane and Yenny Mina are quite similar as players. Keane's not quite as tall, but he is quite powerful. But I think the difference in I think Yenny Mina has a bit more confidence in his ability, and I think Keane has these moments where he like 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 what we witnessed on. Saturday afternoon against Southampton when his head just goes. Uh, I don't think Mina, of course, struggles for fitness a lot more than Keane does. I think he has a lot more injuries in him. I think, were it not for that, I think Mina would be head and shoulders above Keane in pecking order. But like you say, I think Yeti Mina, the only downside to him, we can't really trust his fitness record. And that'll be his downfall, I think, as an Everton player in the long run, if, you know, he can't stay fit for a long period of time. 
Yeah, I think, as you say, I think as his, his stint at the club has proven, you know, when he plays and when he's on his best, he's his best. But there's always, you know, four or five games down the line where he might pick up a knock and then he's out. And then, you know, Michael Keane comes in and then it feels a bit, you know, Michael Keane might put in good performances and then he stays for a bit. So it does always slightly feel like whenever he drops out, someone comes in, does a job and then stays type feeling with Mina. Yeah, I think obviously it's, I think it is at this stage, and then we said this on many occasions towards the end of last campaign as well. It's a case of Mina or Keane alongside Godfrey, I think now, in terms of sense of that pairing. I don't, like I say, I don't rate Godfrey and Holgate as a partnership at all. Uh, and I think they, I don't think, I think Mina or Keane needs to have the pace alongside them. So, you know, if it has to be anything, I think it's got to be Mina. Or Keane next to Holgate or Godfrey. Um, in my opinion, it would be Mina and Godfrey, provided they're both fully fit. But we'll have to wait and see. Um, who else would you like to see in terms of personnel? Keep it pretty similar. Obviously, Townsend looked a bit tired by the end. And I've yeah. came on. Would you stick to the um, way he had at the start? Or I would, I would keep with how it was at the um for now. And then, you know, maybe if needs be, you bring in uh, Yerimina, uh, I'm sorry, not Yerimina, you bring in Alex Awobi later on um, when Towns, maybe a little bit earlier this time. Um, but I'd certainly stick with Townsend just because his crossing ability, um, I thought was really good. And I know we saw a glimpse of Alex Awobi who played well, um, but the jury's still out on his crossing ability. And I feel like, I'd, you know, stick with Townsend. And then he could be good impact sub uh, off the bench when Leeds hopefully are run a little bit tired in the second half. Leeds don't tire. I think that's the thing. Like, <laughs> they, so, like they run and run and run. I don't know what else is like. Dare I say it? Injecting it. Hooking up to the veins. I don't know, but whatever it is, I think we'll all have a bit of that. <laughs> but yeah, I think that I, I did like the four-four-two setup of the second half last week. And I think if we employed that, it's 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 a very attack-minded formation against you know the the midfield who who throw the weight around. Um, so it might be a case of going for the, the number ten, but like you say, I think Gray's best is used on the wing. Yeah, yes, I, I certainly think that might be where he's best. I mean. You could, I guess, if he really wanted to play the number ten and say now Rodriguez isn't still available, he could push Gray out there, put Richarlison on the right, and play a Wobie in his preferred position, supposedly. See how well, I've never seen a Wobie. He always seems to play better on the wing for us than in the middle. He's always been terrible in the middle. I think I've only ever seen him have one decent game, and it was against West Ham when Silva was in charge when he was through the middle. I think that was the only time I've ever seen him yeah, have a decent same. game in that ten role. Never, I've, although since then, and you know, we're talking nearly two years ago now. Uh, we we haven't really seen him do anything in the number ten. So he can bang on about prevail positions, but he's clearly been more effective as a winger. Exactly, I I think he's a lot more effective as well. And I wouldn't say he's that effective even then, to be honest with you. But you know, it, it was certainly one of his better performances when he came on at the weekend. If you can. Lift his level to that a bit more consistently. You might get a, a decent performances out of him this season, but even then, the jury's safe to say very much out on Iwobi. Uh, well, the team, the lads seem to raise him. I don't know if you saw it, but he was um, voted most skillful player 
um, by, I'd say, 80% of the squad. Um, it was either him or Damari Gray, uh, but he trumped Damari Gray by a lot. A lot of the lads reckon he's the most skillful player at Everton and he just does mad stuff. I can't remember which oh. one it was. One of, the, one of the lads said it and then went in training and I was like, ah. Yeah, no, I don't doubt that at all. I think he is one of the most technically gifted players we've got, but he just lacks the football brain to do it in-game. Yeah, which is a shame because if he, you know, if you could nail that, if we could see some player. For me, I I see Alex Alex is very he's basically like a slower version of his armatrior. I think it's it's a very similar the running down the blind alleys. The you know he, he's strong and quick, very skillful as well. But just the I think the brain isn't there to translate that into you know output on the pitch. And yeah, the end product could be something to be desired. It, 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 it certainly is. And, you know, he's only scored, what, three times, I think, since he signed, you know, two years ago now. So, for a winger, that's a terrible return, isn't it? Yeah, and he's had games. It's not like we don't play him. He's had games. Yeah, he's he has he got his fair share of games. And, you know, to not deliver... You know, we paid good money for him and you'd want to be getting certainly more than averaging one and a half goals a season. Jeez, that is awful. Terrible, isn't it? Uh, but, yeah, I think he did, he did play well. So, if, you know, you never know. We might see a slightly better evolve this season. And, you know, fingers crossed we do because it's about time we got a return on that investment. Um, as far as the, like, the, the midfield, we talk about the Leeds midfielders. They're always up for a fight. The hard runners. Was it still? It'd have to be Decore and Allen as the pivot, wouldn't it? I mean, no one else is really, um, unless it's a three-man midfield. I can't see anything else other than that. No, yeah, I'm the same. I don't, I don't see anything else other than that. Um, and to be fair, when you look at our bench um, against Southampton, the only other two midfielders were Fabian Delph and Tom Davis. Um, and in that case, you know, I'd rather Tom Davis. Um, but neither, neither, like you said, Tom Davis on his good day is good. But, you know, on his bad. Uh, and he could still be given the runaround by the Leeds midfield. So I'd just stick with Decore and um, Allen. At least, you know, whether they have a bad game or not, you're going to get a bit of a bite from Allen. Whether he has a good game or not, he's aggressive. So I'd stick with him. And Decore's just, oh, he's fantastic. I, I mean, I don't know how else you describe him other than fantastic, especially in the last game. Yeah, I've been a big fan of Decore, like I say, for a long time. And I just love players of that ilk big physical presences in the midfield and the more of them we get into our team the better that's why I'm obviously gutted we missed out on Dumfries just because I was a light that he's got that pace the physicality he's quite dynamic he gets up and down the pitch and I think we need so many more of those in our team I think like I say to Corey and Alan coming in last year helped improve the midfield uh, Gray coming in this year is a bit quicker than what we already had I think we need to start increasing the average sort of sprint speed in this squad because it's so it's so slow and it still is not really quick enough like we improved but I still think we can improve more and more more pace is needed so you know we'll have to wait and see we bring in for that but I still would like to see more pace to especially when you come up against the likes of a Leeds I think that would be the best thing for us to have these quick players who can combat the sort of quick dynamic players they've got. And then it all comes down to the ability in which I think we are just about. 
no, even then they have got some really good technical players too, but just about I think we could edge it in terms of goals, maybe. But there's 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 still a lot to be cautious about with Leeds. They they can threaten. Um, we've got to be careful. But I'm hoping, like I say, early on in the show, Rafa has got a sort of tactical plan in place to certainly nullify, not if, if not nullify, certainly minimise the threat that they present to us. Yeah, I mean, uh, hopefully, I mean, if if Southampton's anything to go by, I'm quite uh, I'm quite optimistic, actually, for this, which is why I didn't, you know, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I might not have been, but I do have a slight optimism coming into the game, um, just because I think, I feel like, from what I hear from, you know, the hearsay, the journalists on Twitter and stuff, and, you know, former punt, Jamie Carragher, you know, former people managed by Benitez, he seems to be a big fan of, you know, really doing his homework on his teams. And Bielsa is a man, he's, he's, you know, he's known off for a while, I'm sure, with how long he's been in the game. So he knows the style of play he's going to be up against. Oh, I'm, I don't doubt that at all. It's, uh, it's let's see when the 11 players of each side go out on the pitch, you're like, you just want to make sure you don't get overran. By his obviously his team of absolute grafters, and yeah. I think that's it. If we can, you know, we'll just hold tight, and I think it's it's gonna be a lot of this game is gonna be much more so that I think than Southampton, given that we're also at their ground in front of their returning fans. I think it's gonna be a game where if we're to get the result we're after, we're gonna have to frustrate the hell out of them, and I'm yeah. all for that, and. But that's what Benitez has, has got to have in mind. And it's up to the players to execute a plan like that. They did a good job of doing this under Ancelotti last season. And I think we, we might need something along those lines. Again, it might not be pretty, but hopefully it gets us a decent result. Yeah, which, I mean, ultimately I'd be, you know, like we said, this is Leeds. They will, like... They will run. I'd be happy with that if we can, you know, pull off a result there. Because uh, in the grand scheme of things, they're going to be really up for it. And like you said, the first time the fans will be back in the Premier League at home, the atmosphere, they're going to be really, you know, I think Leeds are going to be quite up, fired up and a bit aggressive as well. So if we can sort of, you know, nullify, match it and manage to come away with, a, you know, a couple of, maybe even just a goal, saying our one they'll win, I'd happily take that. Yeah, I think that'll be the order of the day. I reckon it'll be a, an ugly win, I think, if if we are to win. Uh, we'll finish up anyway. Prediction for this game? Uh, I'm going to go with 1-0, you know. 1-0 to us, obviously. Uh, uh, I'm going to go one all. I think it'll be a... I don't think it'll be as easy as people think it will be. I think people have maybe... Obviously, we played well. And I think people have been blinded by how heavily they were beating Leeds by United. But I think... Uh, they are still a good side and he poses a threat. I think, you know, I don't think they'll get beat on the first game back with fans. I think, I think we will we'll probably go fire. I think we can get a draw, but I'm not confident about a win in front of a packed out Elton Road. I'm not going to lie. Uh, I, I mean, I don't, I've got this feeling it's not going to be an exciting game. Um, like you said about, yeah, I think it'll be quite, um, not fully rear-guarded, but I think it'll be slightly rear-guarded by us and we'll just look to frustrate Leeds and try and stop them from running the park. Uh, so I don't think it'll be one where we see, you know, a couple of goals 
you know, saying our two net two alls, you know, three one. I feel like two goals is probably the max we'll see in this game. Yeah, like I said before, I'm not sure it's going to be pretty, but you know, as long as we come out of it, we're held at hell lying. You know, hopefully we can get a win. You know, it's you know, it, it's not beyond the realms of possibility that we could be caused. I think it's just I, I saw the way the games panned out over this opening weekend, and the majority of them ended in home wins. Um, for that obvious reason, you you know what the atmospheres are like, and Leeds have a pretty good, you know, home following. I think they'll make it a tough night for us. But you know, if we, if I think to be honest, if given like it's like we said before that the nature of these opening two weekends with return and fans for the first time, I think it really is going to be tough. I think we only saw two away wins last weekend. And it'll probably be similar this weekend. I think with these, this being the first game back still for many of last week's away opponents, I think it'll be a, the first couple of weeks back is going to be pretty high intensity with them a lot more home wins than even the average was before the pandemic because you know fans are even more up for it now after two years away than they were before. Yeah. Uh, no. I agree with that, to be fair. I think the fans, and Leeds fans are passionate as well. They're up for it in Manchester, yeah. by the looks of some of the stuff I've seen. So um, uh, there's no doubt they'll be up for it at Adam Road. Oh, no, no doubt about it. I mean, don't doubt our fans either. You know, we always send the belts that are away falling as well. So I'm sure they don't make themselves heard as well. So it's going to be a tense battle, I think. And it, I think, like you said, I think it's going to be a very close game, a very nitty-gritty game. Certainly, I, I think we can see ourselves being right towards the end of the match of the day on Saturday night, whatever happens. Uh, but, yeah, there you have it, guys. These versus Everton this weekend. Our first away of the season, first away game back for many of the travelling supporters as well. If you get into Ellen Rose, uh, safe trip and have a, have, have a great day out because, you know, it's been a long time since we got to do these games. Um, so, yeah, best of luck to travelling fans, of course, and to Everton at Ellen Road uh, Saturday afternoon don't miss it we'll be back with reactions as well no doubt about that Listeners on the podcast, of course, we come to the end of the show and we finish with the classic quiz. It's going to be Owen up against Connor. Connor, of course, making his Toffee Blues quiz debut as well. We'll get straight into it. Of course, Connor, if you're new to this, we'll just run through the format. Basically, I reveal a former Everton fixture, a fixture from the past. Um, and basically, between yourself and Owen, you take turns to reel off the names of the players who took part in that game, either as a starter or as a substitute who used off the bench. Usually get 14 in a typical match day squad. So, uh, usually get 14, usually about seven each, one way or another. We should we should be able to get a winner out of one of us. Um, and Conor, of course, you're making your debut, so you get to pick heads or tails with the coin toss. So, get straight into it. Conor, heads or tails? I'll go Tails, mate. And it is Tails. Right. Yeah. Connor, do you want to go first or second? I'll go second. Oh, Owen, you're up first. 
time to reveal the mixture in question cue the intense quiz music there we go let's get straight into it owen fixture in question you're up first and a nice traumatic one to start the season because we're all getting a bit too much on a high during the show so the fixture in question is Rafa Benitez's former club Newcastle United come to Goodison Park on the 21st of January 2020 and take a two-all draw away after we were 2-0 up on the 90-minute mark so no, a, lovely, Bruce. a lovely show to get us started Hello. Yes. <laughs> The podcast was getting a bit too positive. We had to do something to, you know, help us relive some Everton trauma. Uh, so Everton 2, Newcastle 2, January 2020. Uh, 14 players to choose from out of the starters and used substitutes. Owen, you're up first, mate. Moyes Keane. Yep, Moyes Keane, of course, scored his first Everton Premier League goal in this game. Was that his only one? Oh, he scored against Bournemouth, didn't he? Once against Bournemouth, but we got battered. Um, yeah. Connor? Uh, Richarlison. Actually, no. Really? So, it's not been a good debut for you, yeah, that's a oh, Connor, you know. I went for obvious as well. Well, I thought it would be obvious anyway. It's normally me saying Leighton Baines from a Moyes fiction and then just... It was like in Baines on the one time when like Distant played left back or sort of it always happens. But um yeah, Connor, it's been a bit of a disastrous debut for you, here, mate. Uh, your first going, you've uh, forfeited the quiz, Owen's the winner. Uh but oh. you go through the rest of the squad anyway. So we'll just keep on going backwards and forwards until we get the whole squad. So we roll on the show. Owen, keep on going. Jordan Pickford. Yep, Jordan Pickford. Connor? Michael Keane. Again, Michael Keane was an unused sub. Jeez. You're really not having much luck here, are you, Connor? This has gone awfully, hasn't it? Wow. There's two Mason. names I thought were a definite as well. Mason Holgate. Yeah, Mason Holgate was one of the centre-halves. Seamus Coleman. Seamus Coleman came off the bench and was a used sub. Umar Nias. Unfortunately, Umar Nias was also a used sub. I think it was his final Everton appearance. He never played for us again after that. And I'm, I am not surprised because he pretty much rendered us that 2 0 lead. He did. Uh, Luca Dean. Uh, Luca Dean yeah, played the full game. Um, Tom Davis. Yep, Tom Davis was the third used substitute. He's done all the used subs now, just the starters to finish off now. Uh, Morgan Schneiderland. Yep, Schneiderland played the full game. Um, Gilfie Sigurdsson. No, no Sigurdsson at all. It was Delph next to Schneidlin. Unfortunately, it was, yeah. 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 I remember he did a Blackburn Robesque shank into the air, I think, which led to one of their goals in the time. I was at this game and it, I can relive the trauma of the other time like way too well. Uh, Dominic Carbett-Learn? 
Yep, Dominic Calvert-Lewin was the other striker up top and he got the other goal. Bernard. Bernard was the starter and he was subbed off for Tom Davis. Mm. Uh, Walcott. Walcott was the other winger and he was subbed off for Colin. Um, now got two more left to get. Mina. Yeah, he mean it was Holgate centre back partner. And um, one more to get. Trying to think. Have I said Mason Holgate? Yeah, you said Holgate. Um, Jibril Sadibi. It was Jibril Sadibi. He started that right back. Uh, yeah, back in those days. Uh, any days of throwing away leads to Newcastle. You know. I remember that as well. And I was going out that night for uni and I was like, oh, it's all right, we'll leave early. Surely this is absolutely done and sorted. Let's check the score as we were leaving. My accommodation was devastated, room my night. I remember yeah. the very, I remember the same. I was out drinking when I think I left my flat when we were 3 1 up. Or so, so no 2 0 up against Bournemouth and it ended 3 all. <laughs> Martinez and that was pain. Yeah, so that that's that was your team anyway, guys. Um, Jordan Pickford, Jim Dustin, Yeti Mina, Mason Holgate, Luca Dean, Theo Walkoff, Fabian Delph, Morgan Schneiderland, Bernard, Moise Keane, Calvert Lewin, used subs Coleman Davis in the ass, and the unused sub Jonas Lossell, Michael Keane, Leighton Baines, and Anthony Gordon. Uh, so yeah, there you have it. Uh, best the debut there for you, Connor, on the quiz. Um, uh, better luck, you know, second time lucky maybe we'll have to wait and see but uh, hopefully you're still in the next one after the first round <laughs> mate I can't believe how poorly that's gone and that was a baptism of fire that wasn't it <laughs> uh, but yeah I of course Pickford. that was going to yeah. be my second choice in my head as well I should have just played it really safe yeah most people go for the goalkeepers early doors I'm surprised they didn't get that sooner but um, yeah of course this means Owen you're the quiz winner and Connor as you'll learn in time the winner of the quiz gets to pick the song, which sees us out at the end of this podcast. Owen, what have you got for us, mate? Because it's Connor's first quiz and I haven't thought of a song, I'm gonna I'll let Connor choose the first song. There you go. The only song of the podcast. Connor, what would you like to see us out at the end of this song? At the end of this playlist. because um, because I'm still high off the weekend, I'll go with Spirit of the Blues, mate. <laughs> Still high from course, the week, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, do you know what? I had a funny feeling it was going to end up being that, but there you go. Why not? <laughs> Podcast is going to end on a high with the spirit of the blues. There you go, guys. Thank you for tuning in on the first podcast, first post match podcast of the new season. Thank you for tuning in on the Toffee Blues, and we'll see you next time. On the trail.